One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ, to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. All right, well, say say this with me, church. Say, tonight's my night of breakout. Come on, I leave the old behind to step into the new thing of the Lord. I refuse the old heavy thing. I refuse the fear. I refuse the voice that says I'm unable and unqualified. I'm breaking out of that lie. Because the Lord's breaking me into the new thing. Come on, I'm anointed to prophesy. To raise the dead. Heal the sick. Cast out demons. To preach to Wellington. Come on, say it with me. I'm anointed. The Lord's given me a ministry. To go into the highways and byways. And to reveal the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, I'm not powerless. I'm powerful. I'm anointed in the Holy Ghost. And I have a purpose. And I will fulfill my call. In the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, well, I think you're ready to hear. I think you're ready to hear, amen. All right, so uh, we've been pushing into some new things here over the last uh, couple of days, and uh, I want to I want to start out. Um, I want to actually talk to you tonight about um, the two laws. One law kills; the other law actually breathes supernatural power into your life. Okay, and uh, to kind of set the stage for it, uh, how many of you know that God, whenever you press the Lord, He He will show up. Okay, sometimes we wait on the Lord, hoping that the Lord will show up, but the Lord actually gives you faith to press God. What do you mean, Dave? You actually, when he gives you faith, when you begin to expect the way the Lord thinks, you can actually induce a labor. You can actually pull God into your situation. And when the Lord called me to go to India, um, man, I was burning on fire. And I started to pray. When I would go into missions, I would start asking the Lord questions. I would say, okay, Lord, give me the name of the prince that rules the region where I'm going and teach me how to pray against that thing. Lord, when I go to this city for the next 11 days, I want to get 200 pastors baptized in the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues and prophesying. I want... A thousand uh, people burning in the Holy Ghost. I want 10,000 people baptized in fire. I want Hindus who prayed to statues in the morning to be baptized in fire when they're drawn by you to the, to the, to the crusades. That's what I want, Lord. And that's the way I would pray. I would, I would expect God to actually bring his power to overcome impossible situations and actually release the kingdom of heaven where I went. 
And so um, in, this, in this one situation, you know, I, I, I told you some stories, those of you who are here this morning and, you know, last night, some of the stories, there's always a theme where the, where the Lord takes me. And I, I told you, like, I would do four and five churches in India a day and then a crusade at night. And I didn't have time to prepare messages. I, I actually had to wait on the Lord um, to speak to me about what we were going to do because I only had an hour at one place and then we're going to another one. And so we had to get people baptized in the Holy Ghost really fast. Okay? And so... This one guy, this, this pastor who ended up being my interpreter for the first couple years I was in India, he was kind of wild. He kind of, you know, the, the Lord matched me with a guy that he was as crazy as I am. All right. And so I said, I don't care what kind of church. I said, we're going to get every, every church in India, every denomination. I want you to get me in because we're going to bring the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's like, even the ones who don't believe in the Holy Spirit, I said, especially the ones that don't believe in the Holy Spirit. That's why I'm here. Amen. Amen. And so, and so in this, in this one, uh, in this one situation, we're going to this church and Babu starts to talk to me. He says, uh, he says, we're going into this church. It's a Lutheran church and, um, they're probably not going to accept you. And in fact, you might get kicked out of this one. I said, all right, Lord, I started to pray. I said, I don't know how we're going to do this, but we're going to get these people filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and we started to intercede for, for this church, okay? And so how many have ever seen somebody put in a, in a trance? I'm not talking a witchcraft trance, okay? I'm talking the Lord put somebody in a trance to do supernat- a supernatural thing for them. Anybody ever see that? How many, when people fall out in the Spirit and they're laying there for... 20 minutes and they, they literally can't get up. The Lord is literally empowering. They're in, he's encountering them. Okay? In normal everyday life, that can happen. If you um, expect and, and begin to preach what the Lord is, is leading you to preach, all right? And so we get out, we walk into this church, and, um, you know, the, the Lutheran the, the Lutheran denomination, they kind of look like a Catholic priest, right? I mean, they've got all the, all the dress on. They've got the big cross. They've got the thing over their head. And um, this, this pastor, it was a female pastor. Um, she shakes my hand and da-da-da. And, um, you know, we, we go up on the stage and she introduces uh, my interpreter. Um, and my interpreter stands up. Um, and he, he starts to talk and he, he, uh, he waves for me to come up as the Lutheran priest sits down. Okay, as the Lutheran priest sits down, I stand up and um, I start to talk about the Holy Spirit. Okay, and as I started to talk about the Holy Spirit, the, Luth- the Lutheran priest, she, she slouched back into her chair and she's staring up into the sky. She couldn't move her body. Okay, she's, she's laying there, her, her legs are straight, and she could move her eyes, but her whole body was like paralyzed. Okay, and I'm looking, as I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, I'm looking, I'm realizing that the Lord has taken care of any hindrance from what He wanted to do with the people. Okay? And so I start to preach about the Holy Spirit, and the, the Holy Spirit falls on, on, on the people, okay? And none of these people knew anything about the Holy Spirit because of their theology, okay? Well, 
The whole place gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. They start praying in tongues, okay? And the, the, the Lutheran priest is sitting there. She can't move. And she, her eyes look like deer in the headlights. Like, what's going on with my church? And the people were, they're praying, man. They're like fervently praying. And I had some team members with me. And this uh, one guy, he had a word of knowledge. There was a, a, blind, a blind man in the, in the group, in the, in the church, um, and it wasn't like um, the kind of blindness where, you know, uh, people have, it looks like they have regular eyes, they just can't see. This was the type of blindness where it looked like cataracts, where their eyes were completely white, like this, like this young man was born literally without pupils, okay? And so this, this kid is standing in front of the, one, one of the ministers I brought with me, um, and he had he had never been to India, so like everything that was going on and some of the supernatural stuff, he was like he was already blown away. And um, he put both of his hands over this young man's eyes, um, and he started to pray for this young man to get healed. And he took his hands away, and there were eyeballs. The guy, the guy had pupils in his eyes, and and, and here's the deal. Not only was the young man who got his sight like in shock, he's, he's looking, he's like this, but my guy was so like taken, he literally fell backward. He's, he's fallen, man, and I'm, I'm like, you're supposed to be ministering. He's, he's laying there, he's wee. Ah! It's like his, the first time he ever got somebody, a blind person able to see, and he's shaking, okay? And it was like it, it just broke out. And there was there was healing, um, there was all this kind of stuff that happened, and the and the priest the priest is it, she she's like she can't move man, in her chair like plastered to her chair, but but here's what happened at the end of it when when the Lord was done doing what he what he wanted to do, and we had to go on to the next church. I kid you not, it was like the pre the priest sits up in her chair, she's like what the heck was that. And 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 sh- and my past the the uh, pastor that was with me, my interpreter, he basically um, befriended her and spent the next six months teaching the Lutheran priest about the Holy Spirit. That she was literally plastered, watching the outpouring of the Holy Spirit happen to all the people. That's a pretty wild story, right? Well, if you get any more of my books, there's all kinds of stories like that in there. So I encourage you to get my books. But anyway, <laughs> um, so here's the deal. How does something like that happen? Um, the, Lord's, the Lord's heart is for people. And he's looking for somebody to be wild and crazy, to expect in his spirit to, to, to flow and be poured out upon the people. Amen. Amen. Is that you? Is that you? Is that you? You're not just Sunday churchgoers sitting in a chair, are you? Saying I'm saved because, because I said yes back in 2001. That's not you, right? Come on, that's not you, is it? You're the people that the Lord is pouring out His Spirit upon to think like amazing, crazy, unusual expectations. How about you roll out of bed one day and say, Lord, we're going to Walmart and I'm not leaving till five people get baptized in the Holy Ghost. I don't know how it's going to happen, but you're going to do it. Let's go. Let's go. 
what would you, you, we, you, the pastor talked about your mind not being conformed to this world like a religious guy. That includes church guys. Like a re- religious church guy just there on Sunday. What would you, if, if you actually thought like Christ with the mind of Christ, let's go do it, Jesus. Let's go do it. Who are we going to get healed? Who are we going to get saved? How's this all going to work? Let's push this Holy Ghost into this, into this city. Is that you? Come on, Wellington. Is that you? Is that what you're going to do? (laughs) I'm feeling ornery tonight. Watch out. But the Lord, the Lord um, will go with you. We talked this morning about what, how does God move? And, you know, the Lord, if he gives you a vision, Jesus says in John 5, 19, I only do what I see my father doing, right? So there's one way that, that the Lord moves with you, and that is like he gives you vision, and you know that you know that you know that he wants to do something. The other one, there's a scripture that says that Jesus moved with compassion. And that has the, the understanding of that scripture is Jesus induced a move of God because of the compassion of his heart. Do you care about the people of this city? Jesus, Jesus said they would know you by your love. Are you compassionate for the broken, the lost, those in need of healing? So what's stopping you? If you're a son of God and you have compassion on a city, what's stopping you from saying, let's go, Jesus. I want to get this guy. I want to do this. I want to go. What's stopping us? Anybody have right now, the Lord is unctioning you. There's people in this city. There's relational people that um, you know that you have a compassion for, that you want something to happen with, and you're just sitting back hoping. Hope is, the, is way different than faith. Hope sits and, and literally hopes. Faith actually moves, right? Faith, the evidence, right, is, is, is it's an unseen thing, but you in faith actually make it happen. You move in faith. Amen? Say this. Say, Holy Ghost. When you put compassion on me from this day forward, I'm not going to sit still on my keister. I'm going to go lay hands, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, prophesy. I'm going to do what Jesus did. Man, you feel, you, feel, you feel the alignment with the Holy Spirit? It's like tinglys on your head. Amen? <laughs> the whole world, baby. <laughs> Woo! Man, I feel, I feel a burning in, in uh, people's hearts that the Lord's igniting fires in people. That, you, that people are getting a revelation that you weren't just meant to sit um, in, a, in a place on Sunday and get entertained. You are the church. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are the church. Come on, you are the representation of Christ. You are the messenger of Christ. Come on, lay your hand on them and say, you are the messenger of Christ. (laughs) 
Come on, I break fear and intimidation. I break that lie off of you. I declare over you, you are giant killers. You're the ones who will raise the dead. You're the ones who will heal the sick. You're the ones. Come on, point to your neighbor. You're the one. You're the one. You're the one Jesus called to heal the sick. You're the one. Uh, there's nobody. I are people getting intoxicated in here? I think I think there's some intoxication happening. You know, when faith is released, it's built. It's actually caught, and you it's contagious, man. You know, the anointing's contagious. Paul said these words. He said to the Romans, uh, "I I long to come to you that I may impart something to you." That's the mindset of an apostle who has something to give. It's tangible presence, kingdom of God, right? Healing, deliverance, the, the word of the Lord, prophecy. But that apostolic mantle is on this house, and that is you. That is you, right? Say this with me. Say in the name of Jesus, I long to go into Wellington because I have something to give you. Come on, say it again. I long. To be sent into Wellington to give the city the kingdom of heaven. Come on, I long to go into this city to release the kingdom of heaven upon the people in the name of Jesus. Oh, man, that feels good, man. We got this atmosphere cleansed. We got this unbelief driven out of here. You know you're supposed to be the most powerful force on earth, right? I haven't even started preaching my message yet. You know you're the most powerful force on earth, right? The world is supposed to be intimidated by you. You're not supposed to be intimidated by the world. You walk with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The one who raises the dead, heals the sick, heals cancer, can't be stopped. Cannot be stopped. So why would you fear? Why would you fear? Unless there's a separation. Unless there's a distance from the one who can do all things. I don't know about you, but I know the God of the impossible. I know the one who can't be stopped. And he's waiting for a crazy believer to actually think like him. Somebody who would literally say, let's do it. You said it. In the book of Acts, let's do it. Let's do it. Come on, say it with me, church. In the name of Jesus, show me, Holy Spirit, my harvest. I want to see thousands baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want to see hundreds of the drug addicts that walk up and down the streets, weep in the presence of the Lord. As they're healed by your presence, Lord. Come on, I want to see the power of the Holy Spirit come upon every church, every government building, every place where the sole of my foot treads. I release the kingdom of God, and it must bow to your voice.
You know the kingdom of heaven is voice activated, right? We, we change the atmosphere. We change people's hearts in here with the declaration and the alignment of the expectation of God. Amen? Christians were never meant to be silent. Ever. Amen? All right, so let's talk about, uh, I want to talk about two laws. There's two laws tonight. There's a scripture um, in Romans 7. And uh, he says these words, Romans seven twenty two. I find then a law that evil was present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of, go- of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into the captivity of the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. So he talks about, he narrows all this confusion down to two laws, right? And so these two laws, I I myself serve the law of God. He's actually, it's a different meaning in that that verse. It's It's the word oracle. I serve the oracle, the voice. I serve the voice of God. So with, he says, with my, with my mind, I serve the voice. So he's dedicated his mind to hearing the voice, right? But with the flesh, if I'm in the flesh, I'm actually trying to achieve the law of Moses. Those are two things. You know, there's, Jesus is the only one who could overcome the law. He perfected it. And the Scripture says that if you want to do the law, if you want to live trying to achieve conditions then you need to do the whole law. And if you can't do it perfect, then you're wasting your time. And that's the reason why we worship Christ, because He is the perfect one. He is the only one who could accomplish the law of Moses so that you didn't have to actually be under the the dread, under the, the burden of a law that you could never attain. He says, I have actually opened the door for you to actually come close into the heavenlies, to come close into the throne room so that you could actually hear my voice. So that if you set your mind on my voice and obey, my voice, you don't have to worry about these this fleshly achievement of making yourself righteous. Because you can't make yourself righteous. You can't earn the Ten Commandments. You can't do it. But with your mind, you can say, you and me, Lord. You and me. I'm going to set myself in the presence of the Lord. And as the Lord says, go here. Take two steps back. Wait in this season. Just sit and pray with me. As you obey His voice, right? The Lord says, I, I'm the one that makes you righteous in your obedience to my voice. So if you have been serving the law of the letter, trying to achieve it, and you're not submitted yourself to the voice of God, positioned to actually hear the voice, then we have a problem. Because Paul said there's a whole bunch of confusion, right? Right? All this confusion Paul talks about with all this, there's this war. If you're in the flesh and trying to achieve the Ten Commandments and the Law of Moses, then there's, there's all this, um, there's an inability, right? And it creates a confusion. But the Law of Moses actually points to the coming of a Savior who would open a door for you that you would not be on the outside, but you would be drawn near. 
that you could actually sit in the presence of the Lord, subjecting yourself to the voice. And when the voice leads you and you learn the heart of the Lord because you rest in His, in His throne room as a son and daughter of God, peace enters your life. Because there's no more of this, what do I do? What do I not do? All the stagnation and all the worry and all the depression and the anxiety and all these other things, all that goes away because you've learned to war in the Spirit. Amen? You've learned to war to come close to the presence of God at His feet in His throne room. Amen? And that law, the law of the oracle, the law of the voice, is as at Paul, as, as, a, as a father of the church, his heart is grieving. His heart is, is grieving for the Galatian church. As the Galatian church, it says they once started in the spirit, but they went back to the letter. They went back because of theology to trying to achieve conditions. And Paul says, you're wasting your time. Who has bewitched you? He actually calls it a, a, a work of witchcraft to actually once walked in the Spirit, to actually go back to trying to achieve the letter. Amen? Isn't that liberating? It's like, whoo! Jesus did it all. Jesus did it all. There's not one thing Jesus didn't do. He did everything for you. He took it all off of your shoulders. He took every burden and He lifted it off of you. He took the weight off of you. He took heaviness off of you. That's why the spirit of heaviness can't stay on a son of God, on a daughter of God, because his voice has declared that instead of heaviness, right, joy and peace and the presence of heaven rests on you. Say this with me. In the name of Jesus, I command heaviness to leave me now. Come on, depression and fear, leave me now. I'm not under the letter of the law. I'm under the law of the oracle. The voice of God doesn't push me away, but draws me close to be washed continually in the water of the Word. You know that Scripture in in Galatians that talks about husbands and wives and the washing of the water of the Word? That's actually the word rhema. That the husband would wash the wife with the, with the water of the Word, the word rhema. What is that? Dreams and visions. Prophecy and gifts of the Spirit. That the bride is washed by the voice of the Lord. And if the voice of the Lord isn't present, you're wasting your time. It's a dead thing. Only the living voice Right? The voice of dreams and visions. The evidence of God being poured out upon sons and daughters. And prophecy being a mainstay, a central theme of the power of the Holy Ghost doing what the letter of the law could never do. My God, it's like one man who has that revelation can be a wrecking ball in a city. Literally washing the drug addict from the brokenness that takes them back to their drug addiction. Washing the brokenness from a woman who sells herself on the street. The power of the oracle. You see, when I got the revelation that I walk in the power of the oracle because I sit in His presence, and when I sit in His presence, He speaks to me. 
And when he speaks to me, my God, like nothing heavy can stick. It's like the value system. It changed my value system, right? And all I do now is go prophesy. (laughs) Go prophesy, prophesy. And the bride, the symbolism in that scripture, that the washing of the water of the word, that's actually Ephesians 5, sorry, I said Galatians. Um, The washing of the water of the word is a supernatural um, deliverance. It's It's a healing, it's a... If, if, if the bride, the church, gets set off on the wrong course, the prophetic, right, the prophetic voice, the dream and the vision to an individual as well as to the body, it begins to flow and it begins to wash all the junk that the letter of law of the law could never wash in man's own strength trying to achieve a condition. But in the power of the voice, the direct voice of God as the gift of the Holy Spirit, is in he's for you and not against you supernatural deliverance happens it cannot not happen it's a du- double negative right i'm allowed to do that i'm a preacher yeah double negative makes a positive <laughs> you with me so this restoration of the voice to the to the body to the church the bride is a big thing. Romans 8.2 says, for the law, the oracle, the voice of God, for the law um, of the oracle of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of Moses of sin and death. He calls it the law of sin and death. One is a law of sin and death, right? The, the words written on stone are a symbol of something that is so hard that God tries to write on Right? And, it, and, and it's, it ends up, it's supposed to be a reflection of the heart of the sinner. Okay? But the Lord says that when I come upon you, I will turn your heart of stone into a heart of flesh. And instead of you looking to letters on stone, you'll look to your own heart where I write on you. I am the writer of your heart. That's why when the kingdom dwells within you, the most powerful person on earth becomes the one who knows that you no longer have a heart of stone. You have a heart who hears. And the one who hears actually becomes this sensitive one who opens their gate to release heaven on earth. It's a pretty cool picture, isn't it? For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the Spirit of God, the law of the Spirit of God has made me free from the law of sin and death. Right? So you walk by the Spirit. Amen? Another one, Galatians 3.10, for as many as are of the works of the law, meaning the letter, are under a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law, the law of Moses. Right? Galatians 4.21, tell me, you who desire to be under the law, the law of Moses, do you not hear the law itself? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the bondwoman, the other by a free woman, symbolizing the two covenants. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and he who was of the free woman through promise. Promise is a symbol of, of, of um, the pledge of the voice. That's what a promise means. The pledge of the voice of God. How many of you have dreams and visions you're sitting on right now and expecting the Lord to move? 
right? How many, how many of you have, have prophecies, right? You're sitting on the, the pledge of the voice that that is going to come to fruition. That what He has said to you is going to deliver you into the new place. Amen? How many of you woke up this morning, prayed in the Holy Ghost, and got a vision from the Lord and got washed? You see, when the, when the, when the Lord uh, awakens a body with the revelation of the power of His voice, people literally set aside all their religious routines. They set aside all these things that they deem to be important. They get revelation of the things that they do that are actually idols in their life. They actually sweep that all away and they make room for the voice because the voice of God, the very presence of God at His throne is the very thing and the only thing that washes a person. I can't go, I can't go a week without being washed. I can't go five days without being washed. I can't go a day without being washed. Lord, I'm dealing with this problem. I, I have this situation. What do I do? How do I do it? And I, I'm sitting here till you speak. Because I'm not walking out of my prayer closet till I'm washed. What would a body look like if you all came together and sat until you all got direction on the next step of the filling station and you knew you were washed and the river started to flow? What if the river started to flow north because you all had the revelation of the power of washing? You'd be a dangerous thing. You know, a river can actually move rocks. It moves mountains. It moves things out of the way. It literally cannot be stopped. Water literally overpowers a landscape. Amen? Have I convinced you yet? (laughs) Romans 8.14, For as many who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. I don't care how much Bible Scripture you have memorized. The evidence of you knowing Him is in you hearing Him and obeying Him. And there's a river flowing out of you that can't be stopped. Amen? Say this. Say, Holy Ghost. I am your son. I am your daughter. And I will sit. <laughs> Did I confuse? I'm, I didn't. Well, I'm, I'm going to stop. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> you know what I meant. The Lord knows what, you, what I meant. Just say this. Say, Holy Spirit. <laughs> Woo, say, Holy Ghost. I have a revelation that I am moved by the Spirit of God. I cannot be shaken. I cannot be overcome. I cannot be undone by anything of this world because I'm simply positioned at your feet to hear your voice. And I set my heart to obey you. So why does the Lord give the church body tongues? One of the most confusing things in the church, or from my perspective, one of the most unused gifts is the gift of tongues. I see a lot of people in Spirit-filled churches that get baptized in the Holy Spirit, but they don't have a, um, a battle mentality recognizing that every day of your life 
is dependent on you drawing the voice of the Lord to speak to you. And the reason why the Lord gives you the gift of tongues is actually to empower you in a supernatural way to draw the voice to speak to you. Okay? The purpose of tongues on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 when the Spirit of God was poured out, it says what happened? The wind of God comes. It says they pray in tongues. Then they prophesy. Then they get intoxicated and are poured out onto the street. And a revival breaks out. Right? And so the gift of tongues is actually a heart cry. It's a heart cry of the Spirit. It actually does something into the throne room of God that you cannot do on your own. Okay? Scripturally, let's go to Romans 8.26. It says, Likewise, the Spirit helps in our weakness. The word weakness is actually your brokenness, your inability, uh, things you can't do on your own, which is basically everything in life. That's the, that's the revelation. So why does the Lord give you the Spirit? To overcome the human inability. Okay? And He gives you, he gives you this weapon, man. He says, uh, next, next line, For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings we don't understand. How many of you make the excuse you don't pray every day in the Holy Spirit? Or you don't pray at all because you don't know what to say. Come on, man. You're talking to 98% of the church. Yeah, I should pray, but I don't. Well, you, well this, you know what this Scripture does? You know what the revelation of why the Spirit of God is given to you? It actually removes the excuse. It removes all the uh, reasons why you can't and what you don't know. And the Lord says, I know you don't know. I know you can't. It's pride that thinks you're supposed to actually achieve it and learn it and earn it and be it on your own. Man can't do it on your own. Tell your neighbor, man can't do it on your own. That's why He gives you the Holy Spirit. Likewise, the Spirit helps in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. I, I acknowledge without the Holy Spirit, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm dumber than a box of rocks. <clears throat> I'm a corporate director of manufacturing in a, in a global role, um, and that's meaningless to God. I, I, it's meaningless. And the Lord, the Lord says, I give you my Holy Spirit to overcome your ability, and it requires you to lay down your pride. It requires you to lay down your way and value the only gift that can get you into my throne room. <clears throat> you can't get yourself into his throne room. You can have the revelation that Christ actually took sin to the grave and opened a door for you, but you alone can't get into that throne room. It's the Holy Spirit that takes you by the hand that actually takes you into the presence of God. Because you alone are a weak man. You alone are unable and unqualified. But the way the Lord qualifies you is He gives you His Spirit to lead you through life. And so your value system has to be centered on the most powerful force that led Jesus while He walked on the earth. 
Jesus every day says, I don't, I, I go to my father, John 5, 19. I only do what I see my father doing. Right? That was the way Jesus did it, and the Pharisees hated him. You know why? Because the Pharisees looked at a book. They looked at the Torah. They looked at the Old Testament, and they tried to figure it out. And the Lord says, you're deaf, dumb, and blind spiritually. You think you know me. You have no idea who I am. And in fact, in John 5.38, Jesus is in this, in this confrontation with the Pharisees, and He's standing in front of the Pharisees. And He says, you search the Scripture because you think you're going to find life in it. But you can't even see me, the living God, standing in front of you. That's pretty. That sh- that's shaking. That, that shook me when the Lord gave me that revelation. Because what the Lord is saying, that you as a man can't understand my Scripture, and even if you thought you could figure it out, only I, through my Spirit, can reveal myself to you. Only by the Spirit of God. And Jesus valued the Holy Spirit so much that He sent His Holy Spirit to you. Right? So that the Holy Spirit could take you to the heavenly realm where you could never get yourself. You see, there's a lot of theology, a lot of Baptist-based theology that centers believing in Jesus on simply a decision. It's not a decision. It's an encounter and and a reliance on the one you know. It's pride to think that I said yes 20 years ago and I'm good, yet I have no idea what Jesus has said for the last 20 years. Scripture actually says it'll be about knowing Him. He'll ask you a question. Did I know you? Did you know me? Just because you know what that book says doesn't mean you know me. Jesus is so much bigger than the book. Your destiny is not even written in that book. There's a revelation that you have a destiny, but you, your purpose cannot be unveiled unless you go into His presence and the Spirit of God begins to say, yeah, John, the world called you this, but I'm sending you to India. The world called you that, but I'm going to send you to pastor this church. The world called you this, but I'm going to launch you into the, into the business world and I'm going to make you a millionaire. That's done by the Spirit of God, not by a man learning as much as they can about a book. Two different things, two different laws. One delivers. One makes you a supernatural person. One actually puts you in bondage. The Bible without the Spirit puts you in bondage. The whole purpose of the law is for you to get the revelation, I can't do it! And you fall on your face and say, Jesus! Jesus, I need you! That's the revelation of Paul that I read, I read to you in, in Romans 7. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this confusion that I can't achieve the book? Jesus! 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 (laughs) My God! There's liberation coming into the house of the Lord. Likewise, the Spirit that Jesus sent helps in my weakness. I have a revelation. I can't do it by my own strength, by my own pride. I can't achieve it. So I'm actually, what He's saying is, you are dependent on my Spirit. 
Just as I, Jesus, was dependent on the, the Spirit of God revealing what the Father was doing, one day you're going to the well with the woman at the well. One day you're going to the 5,000, right? I was dependent. I was teaching you dependence on the Spirit. And then I pour out my Spirit upon the church in the book of Acts. They learned to pray in tongues, right? And then the Lord spoke to them. And they prophesied out of what they had revelation of. And the world got intoxicated. They took the intoxicating power of the Spirit of God to the world. So he gives you this groan. He gives you this groan. I don't know what to pray for. I don't know what to pray for as I ought. But the Holy Spirit makes a groan. The Holy Spirit makes a sound. I'm dumber than a box of rocks. And thank God the Lord has mercy. So he gives me his spirit. And I, have, I don't have to know nothing on what to pray. I have zero capability. It's actually the greatest revelation you can have that has nothing that you put value on. That's pride that you did anything. It's the grace of Christ and His gift of the Spirit and your reliance on the one that He sends you. Right? And you have this revelation. I don't know what to pray for, but the Spirit. But the Spirit. Tell your neighbor, but the Spirit. But the Spirit makes intercession for me and for you. But the Spirit makes intercession for me and for you. What a gift. What a gift. What an amazing gift. You, to, to, for you to sit there and say, oh my gosh, I can't. I, I can't. I, there's no way. I have a revelation that I can't get it. But the Spirit of God. But by the Spirit of God. But by the Spirit of God. When I had that revelation, I fell in, I fell in love with the revelation of why the Lord gives me the gift of tongues. I would pray. I, there was, I prayed all night. I couldn't stop because I dealt with depression. I dealt with heavy fear. I would tremble. I dealt with it. For I, I was 36 when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I spent 30 plus years shaking at night sometimes. And when I had the revelation that it's the Spirit of God who makes intercession for me, oh my gosh. Come on, Holy Ghost. I need all the help I can get. Shiela Lobo. Shiela Lobo. Oh, it's, it's 2.45 a.m. I better get the... Well, no, I need you, Holy Ghost. Oh, wait, it's, it's 5.45. I need to go get a shower and go to work. Well, you're radical, Dave Cuppet. Yeah, I'm radical. You know why? Because I have a revelation of how important the Holy Spirit is in my life. I tried to do it as a mere man. I tried to achieve it as a mere man. But Dave Cuppet can't do Jack as a mere man. I love you, Holy Ghost. Make intercession for me, Holy Ghost. Make intercession for me. Why do you pray every day in the Holy Ghost? Because I have a revelation that the Spirit of God is for me. And I can't go a day without the Spirit of God working through me. Mama say te di ai nai bo de nai kai tai bai dai de sha. Come on, Holy Ghost. Woo! Come on, Holy Ghost. Come on, Holy Ghost. 
What would you look like if you had a revelation of the most powerful gift Jesus ever gave you? Well, I thought it was the washing away of my sin. That's only half the story. That's the back, or that's the, 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 the back side of the cross, man. That's the dark side. There is a resurrection. And just as Jesus was resurrected by the Holy Ghost, every day when you have the Holy Ghost and you say, Baba, don't say, raise me up, Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost comes in your weakness and says, not today, devil. I'm raising Dave up. I'm raising you up to do something. I'm raising you up. And nothing can stop what I raise up. Raise me up, Holy Ghost. Woo! Come on, church. Nothing can stop a man who is empowered by the Holy Ghost. Nothing. Nothing. Woo! Satan, you're in trouble, baby. The devil is in trouble. Come on, somebody's got to get bold because they have a revelation of the Holy Spirit. Devil, you're in trouble. Devil, you're in trouble. (laughs) Whoa. Whoa, my God. The devil's in trouble. (laughs) I can't be stopped. I'm in love. My God, I'm in love. I'm in love, and love has delivered me. I see critters screaming. Critters are le- are flying out of here right now. Critters are are are, are running for the doors. Every church needs a marker in the spirit. A gauge. And I hear the Lord say, I'm making you a wind gauge. (laughs) And the church won't stop praying till the gauge starts screaming, till the gauge starts spinning, till the gauge starts laughing in the Holy Spirit. (laughs) So, Father, I awaken this marker, I awaken this prayer marker. That says we're going to pray. <laughs> we're going to pray until holy laughter breaks forth in this place. I'm awakening this gauge, says the Lord, to be the thermostat, to be uh, the marker in the spirit, to be uh, the very evidence of we've come into the presence of the Lord. Woo! I'm only halfway done with the verse. Verse 27, now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God, the perfect will. It says the perfect will. Who wants to pray in the perfect will? Wait a minute, I don't even understand that. But you prayed in the perfect will. You let the Holy Ghost pray through you, intercede through you. The perfect will is literally being vocalized out of you. The perfect will. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession. 
It's important to know what is referenced here as the words he. The word he, now he who searches the hearts. That's the high priest. That's Christ. Where does Christ sit right now? He sits at the right hand of the Father doing what? Interceding for all of you. Now he who searches the hearts, Christ searches the hearts, knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession. So think of this. This is so rigged in your favor, boys and girls. If you would grab hold of the gift, it is so rigged in your favor. It is so beyond rigged that the devil doesn't have a chance because you have to get this picture He, being Christ, sits at the right hand of the Father who gave you the Holy Spirit who all you have to do as a believer is submit to the way of the Spirit and let the Spirit pray through you. And it says that the Spirit searches your heart. It knows your needs. It knows your problems. It knows your desires. It knows your destiny. It knows all things. And Jesus gives this secret weapon. And those who embrace the secret weapon, it's like, my God, I can't lose. I let the Holy Ghost pray through me. And I got Christ sitting at the right hand of the Father, hearing the voice of the Spirit that you let pray through you. Woo! My God! My God, you cannot lose, church! What would you do if you really had a value of this gift? What would you do? Pray once in a while, once a month? Or would you pray without ceasing like Paul said, I have a revelation that I'm going to pray without ceasing and I'm going to go to the nations, I'm going to shake the world because this Spirit has searched me. This Spirit that I rely on literally bubbles up out of me. And Jesus Christ, who searches the mind of the Spirit, releases this power upon me. He gives me visions. That's where visions and dreams come from, people. Because you let the Spirit pray through you to the one who is waiting for the voice of the Spirit. It says he knows the mind of the Spirit and all of a sudden, the one sitting on the throne gives you the revelation of what the Spirit was praying through you. Tongues and interpretation of tongues. Words of knowledge. Prophecy. The gifts of the Spirit. And so when a church puts its value system on the Spirit of God, suddenly the whole centerpiece becomes the Holy Spirit. It becomes the very evidence of the gospel of Jesus Christ that the Holy Spirit is present praying through people. And anybody who walks through that door gets lit up in the Holy Ghost. I got a gift for you from Jesus Christ. And he says this to you. Shaken in the presence of the Lord because you imparted something. I'm sorry for getting so excited. But this is the most important thing I guarantee you will ever hear. Ever. Because if you had a prayer life, you wouldn't just be sitting in a chair. What do you mean? I love Jesus. I know a lot of you love Jesus. But there is a bigger call on your life. There is such a bigger call on your life. There's a bigger call on your life. There's a bigger call on your life. There's a bigger one. It's bigger than what you've accepted. Because religion creeps in. Religious thoughts and perceptions of, well, I just believe in Jesus. 
but you don't value with everything in your heart the very gift that he gave you to cause you to overcome all things, to cause you to step into who you really are in Christ, to walk with the mind of the Spirit, not being deaf, dumb, and blind spiritually, saying, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. The people of God are given the Spirit of God to intercede with an expectation that the Lord will not leave you an orphan. He will not leave you without direction. He will not leave you without a purpose and a calling. He will respond to you. He will deliver you. He will overcome your weakness. Amen? Anybody got a revelation of how important the Holy Spirit is? Say this with me, church, because the Lord wants to take you into a deeper place of prayer. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I repent of being deceived by dumbed-down religion that has devalued your Holy Spirit. I ask right now, come on, right now, Holy Ghost, I ask right now for a fresh baptism of fire that will awaken a prayer life in me that will shake the world, that will cause Satan to shake in his boots that will cause nations to shake under the presence of God. That will cause northern Colorado to experience an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Come on, say it with me. That will cause northern Colorado to experience an outpouring of the Holy Ghost that the world will hear about because the filling station church got a revelation of the prayer life of the Holy Ghost. Say, I repent to you, Holy Spirit. I repent for keeping you silent. Come on, I repent for keeping you silent. When I was supposed to release your voice. Man, I feel the tingling presence of God in here because you have just come into an alignment in a revelation. In a revelation of a power that will shake not only you, but everybody around you. Because when the true power of the Holy Spirit comes upon a person, they cannot shut up. They cannot be stopped. They actually expect God to put Lutheran priests in trances so that their whole body can come out from under the spell of dead religion and experience the power of the Holy Ghost. Zephaniah 3, verse 8 and 9. This is a prophecy of the coming of the army of the Lord. Zephaniah 3, verse 8. Therefore wait on me, says the Lord, until the day I rise up for plunder. The Lord has a purpose and intent to take the nations. That's his plunder, the harvest. My determination is to gather the nations to my assembly of kingdoms, to pour out my indignation, my fierce anger. He's talking about the demonic powers that have blinded the world and kept them deaf, dumb, and blind spiritually. And he's saying my anger will be kindled. Okay, my intent is to pour out my anger upon the principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. And this is what he promises. Verse 9, for then I will restore to the peoples a pure language that they may call on my name to serve me in one accord. 
to serve me in one accord. What happened on the day of Pentecost? It says they, the Spirit poured out and they were in one accord. Right? They, they all started to pray in tongues together. They started to prophesy. And the next thing you know, as they prophesy, they got intoxicated. They got intoxicated with the vision of the Lord. They knew what the Lord wanted to do. And it, they literally fall out into the street. And they said, they're drunk. They're intoxicated. Peter said, no, they're not drunk as you suppose. This is what was prophesied in the book of Joel. Right? The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They're intoxicated with heaven. Because the Lord released His language. The Lord released His language. Because the Lord released His language. My God, for then I will restore to the peoples a pure language. That they may call on Me. It it connects with Romans 8, 26 and 27. He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because you let the Spirit pray through you and the perfect will of God comes out of your mouth. You can't be stopped, church. You cannot be stopped. And the prophecy last night is that there would be a shift in this house. That the leadership of this house would be set up at the altar. That the priests would stand between the porch and the altar. And the army that the Lord prophesied would become a a manifestation on the earth because the priests, you, the priests, Jesus said you are kings and priests. You are the priests who will position themselves. You mean, Lord, the biggest assignment I have in my life is to position myself at the altar in the presence of the Lord. And use the Spirit to allow the Spirit, the miracle working power of the Spirit, to pray through me and do a supernatural work. You mean all I have to do? You mean my biggest assignment is to pray so that your vision would be released in Wellington? Yes. If the people would move their their life, move their, their priorities, move their perception of church, And they would gain a value of the Holy Spirit. The supernatural weapon that Christ poured out to everybody in here. And and the church comes and and, and together you you start this revelation. I don't know what I'm supposed to pray, but I know I'm burning inside and I can't stop. And, and, and all of a sudden the prophetic in here starts to manifest like popcorn because you're praying with an expectation. I got a vision. I got a vision. I got another vision. And all of a sudden three people say, Pastor Joshua, Pastor Jennifer, I, 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 I heard the Lord say, we're going north. And another person says, I heard the Lord say, we're going north. And another person says, I heard the Lord say, we're going north. And all of a sudden, the body creates faith or receives the faith of the vision. And it's like, we're going north. We're taking north. We are taking this land. The most important part of your church body is not a a Sunday service. The most important assignment of your church body is to be positioned at that altar. That that prayer room is so overflowing with people that you have to do it down here instead of upstairs. 
And all of a sudden, this whole thing shifts, and it's like this glory cloud. People start walking off the street, and they say, I don't know why I'm here, but it's like an angel grabbed my hand, and I'm standing here, and I'm weeping, and I'm crying, because there's a glory. I can see the glory. What if? What if? Man, I'm feeling pumped up tonight. Are you pumped up tonight? If you're going to change your prayer life and put the Spirit of God first in everything you do, and you're going to decide to make room for Him, and actually not just make room for Him, to make the Holy Spirit your priority every day of your life, I want you to stand to your feet. Say this with me, church. Say, Holy Spirit. I'm wiping out my calendar. You are my priority. I don't care about the cares of the world. And the issues of life. That's not my priority. You, Holy Spirit, are my priority. And from this day forward, every day of my life, I'm going to position myself at your altar and pray in the Holy Spirit, knowing that you have the perfect prayer and that you have a heart cry that desperately needs released out of me. I will not be the one, Lord, that silences your voice. I want to prophesy, heal the sick, cast out devils. I want to dream your dream and see your vision. And I know it all starts with the prayer life of the Holy Spirit doing supernatural things when I have no idea what to pray I believe that it's the Holy Spirit praying through me that we draw you to release the perfect will of God into my life thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org, D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G, or fivestoneministries.org. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book entitled Wisdom-Filled Warriors, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.